What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the center stage. This is Carolina Araujo with my co-host. Jessica Delias. And today we are going to focus on a rather, I think, underrated topic of discussion amongst athletes, coaches with athletes and people who are trying to get into the bodybuilding world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Definitely underrated, and it's honestly something that hasn't really been considered a thing, air quote, for, I'd say, a long time. Like, it wasn't when I started competing. I'm sure it wasn't either. It it absolutely wasn't for us. So um, we definitely want to, what we are talking about today is the concept of that pre-contest prep stage of your dieting and your training regimen. Um, you know, what does it even mean to have one? What is the importance for, you know, different people who are coming from different backgrounds, whether you're competing already, whether this is your first time getting into bodybuilding, so on and so forth. So we wanted to kind of like, you know, we've talked so much about post-competition dieting, reverse dieting, what to, you know, emphasize or prioritize when you are in the midst of it, right, kind of leading up to your show. But I think that we never really talked about what to expect when you do want to get into competing and when you do want to kind of make that choice of like, all right, let me buckle down and just dive into something that I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So we want to prepare you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the pre-prep phase can apply to people that are new that want to compete. So it's Mm -hmm. people that are first deciding to jump into it, but it's also something that even seasoned competitors have to apply when they're coming out of their off seasons as well. So the approaches will be a little bit different, of course, as well as the timing or maybe the way that you have to do it, but it's the same kind of phase that you need before you get into a competition prep yes you are completely right um so i think that we'll start first by kind of separating like talking a little bit about each individual group right and just giving you guys a bit of a rundown as to what are some of the main topics that that you should be focusing on and i think we can even do like individual episodes for each individual group but we'll just give you guys a little bit of surface level things to consider um at this point in time, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess a couple of key things when you are getting into a pre-prep phase, let's say that you just decided that you want to compete. Well, that doesn't mean that, okay, I decided I want to compete. So let me find a show 12 weeks from now and I'm going to mm-hmm. jump into it. You have to set yourself up for that competition prep. So that way, when you start that 12 weeks, which in my opinion is probably never long enough for most people to prep anyway. So that way, when you get started into the prep phase, when you're deep in it, you're already set up and prepared and coasting into the show. And you're not spending the first part of your prep trying to figure out how to do it all, how to fit it all in, uh, how to adjust to your schedule, um, things like that. And also making sure that you even have what's probably going to be the most important thing for those that are new to competing is the muscle foundation to begin with, right? I know Uh that you and I are talking a lot about is 
many times people decide, okay, I want to compete. So all I have to do is do a prep and diet down into a show and I'll be ready. Kind of assuming that all of this, this beautiful muscle is already there. And all you have to do is shed the body fat and it's there and ready to go. When that's just not the case, you have to build the physique first, and then you have to, um, get into the competition prep. So most of the time, if you're a new competitor, before you even get into the pre-prep phase, you actually have to get into a building season, into an improvement yeah. season. So you have to take the time to put on the muscle first before you even get into the pre-prep phase. But what a pre-prep really has to look like is basically setting yourself up for a competition prep to make sure that you're a, even ready for a competition prep mm-hmm. that's going to be important as well. Like, first of all, look at your schedule. You know, you have to have your consistency in place as to when you train, making sure you have the right amount of time you need to get all of your training in, um, you know, figure out your, your diet. You have to be having a consistent diet. You have to, you know, take all those little, you know, if you're having a little bite of something here and there extra scoop of something when you're weighing out your food, even if you're already doing that, you have to get out of those habits and cut all those things out and just be kind of setting yourself up for almost an autopilot before you get into a competition prep. So all of that just feels normal to you. Yeah. I will say though, you know, this is not meant to discourage those who are, you know, what's the right word, way to, way to phrase this, but like not to discourage those who are looking into bodybuilding and are interested in competing, even if you are fairly new to resistance training and weightlifting. Right. So what Jess is saying is just like, you don't need to take like years of your life in order to build this muscle and and then to compete, right. Everyone Mm -hmm. does have to start somewhere. You do have to figure out where you're at both off stage prior to leading up to that contest prep, but also on stage, um, you know, once you compete for the first time. So for those listening who are new um, to competing, remember that your first, you know, stage look is never going to be the best of the best of the best of the best of the best that you could possibly ever be. It will be the best of where you're coming from at this point in time. But, you know, there's always so much room for improvement as you continue to just repeat the same process over and over again, right? But with that being said, yes, I completely agree. I think that, you know, a good amount of time, even if you're, one, you need to be lifting already to begin with, right? If you are squeaky clean and brand new to weightlifting and the first thing your trainer at, I don't know what gym tells you like, oh, you have a great frame. Why don't you do a bodybuilding, a bikini competition or a figure competition, whatever the case may be like, I'm going to pump you on. I'm going to pump the brakes on you and, and tell you right here and now that that is not the way to go about it, right? You do have to have, like Jessica said, a, a, a schedule and a consistently li- be consistently lifting, consistently dieting for a quite some time because the bottom line is the same way that a lot of people are meant to be olympic gymnasts a lot of people are meant to live you know to be a bodybuilder so figuring out one are you already doing the things that are conducive to the sport right are you training and can you eat clean and do cardio if those are three things that you absolutely despise just this is not for you this is not the sport for you because those are the three things that you need to do in order to be able to get on stage. Mm-hmm. 
right? So that's just cut from the get-go. And again, I will repeat it, not to discourage anyone, but you just have to be realistic with, you know, what you're getting yourself into. Right. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say that it's, it's discouraging in any way. If anything, I'd say it, it's encouraging to help uh, new athletes just learn what it takes to become even better their first show instead yeah. of, you know, diving into a prep when you're not necessarily having all of these things in your daily regimen or already or already set yourself up for success you're not just diving into it and then getting on stage before you're ready. You're taking advantage of the time ahead of prep to really set yourself up for a better prep to look even better your first show and even potentially Mm -hmm. win your first show. You know, that's not really going to be possible if you're, like you said, somebody that's brand new to lifting and doesn't maybe have the muscle foundation yet. So if you just take the time to build a little bit first and that could be, eight weeks. It could be six months. It could be two years. It just depends on you personally. And it also depends on when you feel like you want to get on stage. Uh, You know, just because you may be to get to a top pro level of a muscle foundation, maybe that's something that'll take you four years doesn't mean you need to wait four years to get on stage either. You can get on stage when you feel ready to get on stage, but the pre-prep phase will set you up. So that way, when you get into a prep, you're already coasting into it and you're not Mm -hmm. spending weeks. If you have a 16 week prep, you're not spending weeks 16 to 12, the first four weeks trying to figure out how to get everything done and get it all in. Cause then you just wasted a month of your prep. So things that you have to look at are going to be a diet, right? So your first thing for getting your diet under control is making sure that you are weighing and measuring out all of your food the way it has to be, not adding anything extra, not if you have a hundred grams of chicken on your plan, you're not, you know, just letting you see 120 pop on the scale, seeing them there. Really? Close yeah, yeah, it's close there. Nope. You got to weigh it to that exactly one zero zero. You have to stop, you know, taking a scoop or bite of the ground meat when you're cooking it in the walk, like all those little things that yeah. you're doing. It's just kind of setting yourself up. So that way those habits kind of dissipate and you just are kind of getting yourself way more regimented and Mm -hmm. used to just eating what's on your plan, the amount that's on your plan, um, and then getting yourself ready for that. So that way, when you get into prep, it's not, you know, whoops. Oh, I got so used to, you know, having this extra, this, so, you know, yeah, I totally agree. And you're so right. And it's funny to think that it's just so habitual the things that we do when we're cooking or getting things ready right for example when you're putting measuring out a serving of peanut butter it's just like you measure it out and then or you're like spreading it on your rice cake and then all of a sudden you're like licking and the knife or, licking and I'm like spoon. I'm like wait <laughs> that's why you use the <laughs> negative that's why you use the tear feature so you put the jar on you hit tear it zeros out so that way you can lick the spoon because it's the right amount Oh, oh my no. gosh. It's just like I've caught myself so many yeah. times. I'm just like, wait, I'm like knife in mouth, halfway yeah. through. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. No, so, it becomes so involuntary. <laughs> but that's what I mean. These things, they really become so like subconscious and involuntary that you don't think about them. So you have to start to become more aware of those kinds of things to just make sure everything is becoming to a T. Um, if you start adding, you know, and, and 
but beforehand you were maybe adding a bunch of condiments or sauces or all this all these kinds of things just teaching yourself to wean off of those um you know if you track macros instead of doing meal plans like get used to really tracking your macros and getting maybe more consistent on your meals throughout the day instead of like if you're somebody that likes to have different variety throughout the week just keeping consistency in what you're tracking making sure you're really hitting your your numbers if you're a macro tracker I'm a meal planner Caroline is a meal planner so it doesn't yeah. apply to us very much unless needed be but if that is your method just making sure you're getting on top of it um meal prep make sure that you have all your foods ready for the week it's not you know figuring out as you go it's you have your let's say Sunday is meal prep day you have it done you already have that in your schedule um you know whatever you cook foods yourself or you order from a company you just have your meal prep set um you know free calories free meals maybe you're doing more of them in the off season so get used to dialing them back or giving yourself something specific that you eat just kind of getting yourself into the habit of setting yourself up for prep before you get into it so that way you have like typically i'd say a pre prep phase will be for my athletes, I'd probably say it's usually around like four weeks because that gives you a good amount of time to switch over your habits and take the time to get used to those kinds of things. What do you typically do? Um, I mean, I honestly just start um, honing it into like, okay, what are the things that I know I'm going to have to remove completely and that are like completely unacceptable within the diet structure? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I mean, I don't really drink that much soda to begin with anymore, but like, you know, like all of the extra carbonated stuff and, and just, that's just personal preference, right? Because I know like my digestion and things like that, or like, you know, I like, if you like to put a little bit of like cheese on top of something, or, you know, the, like you said, the condiments, the sauces, the the things that add calories, um, or say if I'm like, if I have, so for example, right now I have two thirds of a day of refeed. Like I get to eat for two thirds of a day. It's amazing. But like, if I allowed myself that, then I would just like, say, for example, the last two weeks or the, you know, cut it down to one meal or cut it down to like a meal and a dessert or, Mm -hmm. you know, little by little, just remove the things that I know are absolutely not going to be involved in my plan so that you're kind of like, you don't go, and it's funny to compare it to that, but like, don't go through like withdrawal. You're like, because your taste buds have to adjust. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and the same way that they adjust to eat really, really sweet and processed foods, they can adjust to eat really clean foods. Right. I think that how many times have you spoken with somebody that they're like, oh my God, uh, I don't know. To me, when I'm prepping cherry tomatoes taste sweet, like that's how clean yeah. my yeah. taste buds get. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, by all means, you don't have to be as crazy as I am with removing things. But I just know that like, I want to make sure that my, my body is taking in as much whole foods as possible. So I just remove all of the processed stuff, because I know that that's going to have an impact on my water balance and impact on my digestive health an impact on maybe my new mineral and nutrient absorption, right? My macronutrient absorption altogether. So it's just like same thing as you just like removing things a little bit here and there and nitpick, being a little bit more intentional about how I cook, uh, about the condiments. Like I love to add like salsa to, um, and like spices and, and tomato sauce to my ground chicken, my ground turkey. I do like kind of like a, not chili, chili version, but like something with a little bit more sauce. 
if I'm getting ready for a show, I'm going to either be mindful of the type of sauce and the type of sauce that I'm using, or I'm not going to use it at all and just change the condiment altogether. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, that, that's pretty much how I do it. Yeah. Everything yeah. else stays the same. I eat the same all year round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just those little things that you have to just kind of cut back on. But I like the way you phrase that is to just become more in- intentional with mm-hmm. it. Like, obviously, you still want to be intentional, even in your off season. We've talked about this numerous times now. It's having a structured off season. But you have to be more intentional with what you do as to paying more attention because especially with all those extra things here and there, it's just, just putting them in the no more column um, and getting yourself yeah. used to, used to. See, you, see you in 12 to 15 weeks. column, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which, you know, who has really good, like little condiments and seasoning and stuff is, is Trader Joe's. That tends to be like my go-to in the off season yeah. to go there for my, like my little, my little extra yeah, they do. Trader Joe's Trader Joe's is the goat yeah they're yeah. definitely the real like they're like like they like their low calorie french onion dip stuff it's like if you put like half a tablespoon on it it's like maybe 10 calories so it's like all those little kinds of things that you might add yeah um to, you oh, know for sure rice cake and stuff those little things yeah um, so I mean we talked about the the novice competitor right so I think I mean, and now we're talking about our own approaches. I think some of the pre-prep structures or ideas for the actual season competitor would just be, you know, ensuring that even because I know that, you know, there's a wide range of choices here. There are competitors who go into a strict off season. There are competitors that just need to help a, a mental health break and a physical health break altogether. And they'll follow a diet. They train as they please. They do cardio as they please. So I think that like for those who have a more structured off season or improvement season, right. Is a lot the, I would say my personal professional opinion is it's a quicker transition from off season to prep all you're really doing is like we talked about cutting out the condiments changing changing up the diet reintroducing the cardio and possibly be more mindful of your training split right so that your recovery is on point as -hmm. opposed to if you have somebody who does take a longer break from their contest uh, from their just training and nutrition and dieting all together then I would highly recommend going into a structure, quote unquote, you know, mini off season, or just even if it's like a three to four week window, so your body can adjust and and be more in tune with that kind of like reintroduction to consistent training, consistent progressive overload, making sure that you still have the muscle density and the muscle maturity that you want, right? So maybe like, okay, three to four weeks is maybe short and too short, but like four to six weeks um, prior to going into that cutting phase. Um, and that prep phase. And then within that, you know, four to six weeks, then just actually follow a plan of an off season plan to see where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, and, and I think that there, I mean, there's so many different ways to go about it. You can also go into a small cut to see what it looks like with a little bit lower body fat, then up your calories so that to check your body's responsiveness and then go into your cutting, actual cutting prep phase, right? So there's so many different ways, but I think that the bottom line is if you don't have any structure at all, you need some kind of structure prior to just going like gun ho into, let me wake up and do faster cardio five days a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, you, you mentally is exhausting too, is overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you can't manage 
or change anything if you don't have any structure. You you literally have nowhere to go because you exactly. have nothing to measure. And if you have nothing to measure, how do you make changes? So, yep. you know, and then from a, an athlete's perspective and from a coach's perspective, it makes it a lot harder. So if you're going to go into a prep, yeah, you're going to need time ahead of that to be on structure before you even go into pre-prep phase. Um, and obviously that's also going to depend uh, what you were talking about too, as to how long your off season is, because if you have mm-hmm. a off season, quote unquote, that's only just like an eight week break from the shows, it's going to be different than if you're taking two years off of the shows where you'll probably go through, like you said, different phases of it, where you have uh, maybe that little break. And then you have that structured, you know, progressive, you know, few months, and then maybe you do a mini cut um, and then you do maybe a maintenance and then you do a little bit more of a build or a surplus or however it is that you want to structure it going in and out of it. But yeah. in my opinion, like, I, I just think if you want to improve as an athlete, you just, you have to have structure all the time. I mean, you can take, I think that the, like the week break here and there, the deload, the little vacation the whatever, that's great. I think everybody actually needs that, but in order to actually improve as an athlete, I think no matter how you're approaching or how long your improvement or off season is, you just need structure because otherwise there's nowhere, there's nowhere to take it. And you're going to be spending so much time trying to figure out where am I even at first before I can even make any adjustments, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll use myself as an example, granted, like the break that I took wasn't with the intention of like, let's take two and a half years off. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes from here. Um, but you know, I came from a place where I competed a ton, um, back in, oh my God, it was 2021, no, 2021. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. It feels like forever ago. It feels like forever ago, but 2021, you know, competed, stepped out off stage and then just reversed for a little bit, gave myself good, like actually two to three months because of my move right so I was just like okay it's gonna be cute part of my friends this is gonna be a shit show <laughs> let's just like you know let loose a little bit so that because I mean if if you follow a structure if you're accustomed to following your structure trying to le- live in a structure within chaos the chaos of moving is absolutely insane it, it drives me crazy I can't do it so you know I definitely like allowed myself to break once I was settled and then I'm just like, okay, let me eat clean and train. Yeah. But it was only truly when I started tracking my food again and having, you know, a periodization of my training and periodization of my cardio um, that I was able to really comprehend um, where, you know, where was all going and what my body was responding. And then from there, I'm like, okay, let me see what my body looks like with a little cut. And then from the little cut, now I'm ready to reverse back into and actually commit to growing. Um, and now I'm, I am where I'm at. I'm like two cuts and two reverses later. Now I'm finally like stepping into like a surplus phase and, you know, committing to putting on more muscle tissue prior to stepping on stage again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, does everyone need to do it like that? Absolutely not. It was a combination of like, what my life dealt me and what I was prepared to, to manage, but still stick with the, the value, my values as an athlete. 
in order to when I am ready to get back onto contest prep, I know for a fact that I will feel more prepared because I've had this structure moving, you know, leading up to that point. Right. But even when you took that time off, like you still, like you said, trained and ate well. I mean, yeah. it wasn't completely set and structured and, you know, as, you know, to a T on everything, but you still, you know, lived like an athlete just uh, moving across the country athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Living off of the back of my car kind of athlete. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. It, but it's just so crazy because, and this is just how uh, my brain function, again, every person is different. I just, I've gotten, to, I, I've, I've done the like, oh my God, I miss this food. I, I want, I'm, I still have cravings. I still sometimes just want to eat whatever I want to eat. Oh yeah. Um, I make things work. I like squeeze something in here and remove something out over there. Like, mm-hmm. but I really am no longer in the business of like eating things that make me feel like crap. Ugh, yeah. Because it's just. I mean, yeah, I'll indulge on like things that I know I'm like, okay, I'm going to feel a little shit tomorrow, but like, like constantly on a day in day out basis where I'm eating things that like, I know my body one doesn't respond well to two is going to make me feel sluggish. And then I'm going to have shitty workouts, excuse me, crappy workouts (laughs) because of it. Like it's just kind of productive, right? It's just kind of productive, especially because I know the impact that having a good training session has in my day mm-hmm. right and I think that like I mean I could speak for myself but I'm sure you feel the same way and a lot of people that are listening to us now feel the same way it's just like how do you feel when you go out to walk out of the gym and you're like I killed that workout I lifted super heavy or I felt the pump I feel great I broke a sweat my heart weight like I could I thought I was gonna puke my heart out or something That's as fun. opposed to, as opposed to, right right as opposed to like oh um I kind of trained my mind wasn't really in the right place I was dilly-dallying everywhere I couldn't connect with my muscles like I felt kind of weak because I didn't rest enough or like Mm -hmm. I felt kind of heavy because I had that for me it's bagels I had this bagel like hours before I trained you know bagels go right but bagels look at my body loves oh my god those suckers sit right in my stomach for hours (laughs) I wish I could eat bagels like that I love bagels I kidding yeah but it's just kind of like I it's just weighing the pros and cons of what will this do to my body and how will it either positively or negatively impact my performance at the gym and based on that how will I feel after yeah I feel like crap like I just I just <laughs> be in a bad mood yeah it just puts right. me in a bad mood like, there's no way to, yeah exactly so that's and my just- like that goes back to uh, to intention again, because mm-hmm. you have to now focus all your intention on how is this going to make me better for my prep and for my show. So mm-hmm. it's constantly asking yourself that question with every choice you make now. So maybe when you're in your off season, you know, it's sometimes that intention is just, you know, what do I feel like doing? Or, you know, it's okay to have those here and there, or what am I, what what am I craving or whatever it is now and again, but when you get into that pre-prep phase, your intention always has to be, how is this going to make me better as an athlete? How is this going to make my prep easier too? Mm -hmm. You know, so always asking yourself that question. You you know, one thing that 
I just realized that we forgot to mention also is sleep. Yes. We forgot to talk about for, and for, this is important for both novice and like seasoned athletes. Um, you can't, you can't mess. Yeah. You can't, I mean, and I think that those like stress and sleep are like directly correlated. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you are, so if, if you're someone who is going into competing and your sleep is all over the place, I will tell you now you're going to, your body is just not going to progress the same rate. Yes. Will you be able to achieve progress? Probably. But when it comes down to that, like fine tuning of how specific you want your physique to look like, it's just a hot mess because Mm -hmm. without proper sleep, without proper recovery, you're talking about, um, deregulation of like your hormone imbalances, like hormonal imbalances, you're talking about elevated cortisol levels, you're talking about elevated inflammation, you're talking about fluid retention, you're talking about just overall um, immune health and immune strength, right? Mm -hmm. So these are all things to take into account. So if you live a lifestyle that is, or have a job that is super, super challenging for you to either have the bare minimum hours of sleep, um, or if you're someone who needs to figure out like, all right, how do I get more than four and a half hours of sleep a night? Like it's, it's definitely worth kind of like having that internal conversation and then talking to a coach, like one, what can, can I do something differently in order to ink one, increase the number of hours that I'm sleeping every night or two, um, focus on my recovery. And if truly you're someone that just really can't sleep that much. How will, how are we going to work towards making sure that those hours of sleep are as, it's like quality over quantity, right? As, as productive as possible. Mm Because you could also sleep for 10 hours and not recover at all. Right. Right. So it's just being mindful of the quality of your sleep, the quantity of your sleep and how it impacts all of these other things that I just listed. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to you have to make sure that you have enough time to get quality sleep, however much that is for you going into a prep ahead of time. I'll have, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll have people that'll, they'll tell me, okay, I think, I think I want to start a competition prep, but every week they're getting to me about how they're sleeping like three to four hours every single night. And which by the way, that's insane. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, but until you can figure out, how you can get more sleep for recovery and how you can drop the stress, your body is just not going to do what we want to yeah. do. And you're just going to end up with less than an ideal package that you want. Like you're, you'll, you'll probably regress. You'll probably start to look, yeah. worse. you'll feel worse. You'll look worse for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's the unsexy answer. The unse- yeah. And I mean, th- something to take into account, I think too, is that like the amount of sleep you get and stress is all with perspective, right? Because there's some people that can get five, six hours of sleep and how, and it doesn't, and like have all these things going on in their life and they don't have the stress impact them to in, in such a negative yeah. way. And then you can have somebody that's in the same situation and it drives their stress through the roof. So you also have to see what kind of person you are too, and be realistic with yourself about that as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if you are someone who is already competing and he is is, is serious, I think it's important to highlight if you're serious about being competitive on stage, um, really 
setting down like you know boundaries I want to say boundaries because I am guilty of that too like if I'm not competing I'm like yeah I'm gonna get to bed at this time and it's important (laughs) I mean sometimes my body just do it I just pass out if I'm tired my body's like no you're going to sleep now you're exhausted you're useless just sit down but when I am getting ready for a show 10 o'clock comes like strides along I don't I don't care what I'm doing I shut it down it's all that's it yeah. computer closes text messages stop some mid conversation a mid movie like i i get up and deliver i i remember vividly getting up looking at my clock and going yeah it looks about right it's time to go to sleep getting up from the living room walking mid movie and just going i'm going to bed now bye <laughs> yeah yeah because i know that unless i get x number of hours my cardio in the morning is going to be crappy i'm going to be hungrier during the day and I'm going to be a little bit more miserable than I have to be and my training session is not going to be great right it's just and again I will emphasize if it's if you're very if you're serious about competing and you want to be competitive or if you want to turn pro and be competitive in the pro level you have to be obsessive over fine-tuning every single little detail yeah every single detail and sleep, sadly, I wouldn't even say that sleep is a detail. Sleep is a is is like a, a macro it's like, it's of like a non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a non-negotiable. Yeah. And of course, does that mean that night time, like night shift workers, can be competitors? No, that no. doesn't mean that. You it just means have to work it, with your schedule. Exactly, you have to work with your schedule. You have to. Fit. It's just prioritizing your recovery. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's perspective too. Everybody's going to be a little bit different, but there are certain things you have to hit and feel and getting that quality sleep is, is one of them. So however you can make that happen, it just, it needs to be, like you said, a Mm non-negotiable prep before you go into prep, because you will lose time during your day as training volume and cardio increases, you will feel more tired. You will lose energy, all of these things. So if you're doing that and you're running on fumes in the beginning, you're going to not even have fumes left. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> you're just going to run to the ground. Yeah, exactly. you're going to be a broken down car when you're trying to go into prep and you are just not going to look right because your body had no time to recover yeah. didn't have the time to burn the fat. I mean, we burn fat when we're sleeping too. I mean, if you're not sleeping, how are you going to yeah. have all these happens, all these things and, as well? Yeah, it's just to put into perspective, right? If you feel like how many times, and this is just throw it as a general question for, for the girls that, hopefully some guys, but the girls that are listening to us, right? How many times have you gone on vacation, not trained, not really eaten that bad, but not that great, slept a ton, come back like four pounds lighter? Mm-hmm. Every single time. <laughs> exactly. So it's just... An, and this is when you are not being diligent and intentional, like we'll just hit that nail on the over on the head with the, with the word. You're not being intentional about your behavior, but you're allowing your body to recover. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I am a pain in the ass as a coach when it comes to my client's sleep. Like, oh, because, you know, this is not working and I'm so tired and my training and my lifting and I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I'm following the diet. I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing the cardio. It's like, well, when was the last time you ate more that you, you slept more than four hours. Right. And, and there's always something, 
the kids and the TV and the this and the that. And it's just like, yes, we understand that there are challenges in life, but for the average person, you you should prioritize your mental health too, because sleep will impact your cognitive function. But as a competitor, like it's just, I don't know. I feel very strongly about it. It's a non-negotiable for me. I got to <laughs> sleep. I got to sleep. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it, all, it all comes full circle and sleep is a huge part of that and very undervalued um, and overlooked for, for most people, most of, yeah, pretty much. Most absolutely. Um, absolutely. I guess one other thing to touch on when it comes to when you're getting into a, a pre-prep phase is going to be um, movement. So you're going to have to get your body used to introducing cardio again, right? In some way. So maybe you become more diligent on tracking your steps just as a start or start introducing a little bit of set cardio so you get used to a little bit more movement too I think that that's an important part to incorporate um you know maybe if you are only getting let's say six thousand steps a day you bump it up to like a consistent like eight thousand every day just yeah. start getting yourself moving a little bit more too and setting yourself up for that um that'll just help it make e- become an easier transition when you start getting into more of that cardio training too no, of course. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that like we forget, we got to take into account, right, the, your overall activity level throughout the day, for sure. Um, even on off season, people are just like, ah, mm-hmm. or like if you're changing jobs, like for me, that was such yeah. a big, such a big shift um, from living in New York for like over a decade and just walking everywhere to live, moving to California and just sitting in a car half the day. Yeah. Right. I was just like, my body just felt different. The energy levels felt different. And I was just like, well, why do I now have to do more cardio in order to maintain <laughs> yeah. my physique? Well, I'm not moving as much. Exactly. Yeah. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm in the office during the week, like, and I don't have travel weeks, I have to intentionally get more steps in however I yeah. can, because when I'm traveling, working shows, like my steps will be double easily what they are during the week. So you have to yeah. pay attention to that too. No, for sure. I think that's a great point. It's very, very, very important to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that all in all is to say that, you know, we covered a lot for both first time competitors and seasoned competitors, but I think all, all, all is to say that you, you need to just kind of like prepare yourself to enter this crazy structure that is getting ready for a bodybuilding show. And that takes mentally a little bit of time like an adjustment period and physically a little bit of an adjustment period so all we're advising here is that you set your you know set yourself up for success by not giving your body and your mind shock treatment right yes that's right that's basically all the pre-prep is exactly so you're just easing your way into it and i know that a lot of people are gonna be like but my diet and my food and my burgers and the ice cream and the oreos you, st- you can still have those. You're just like, it's just thinking about what's the goal here. Is the goal to get you through this process in the healthiest, most efficient and optimal way possible? Or is it to just throw you into a diet and hope for the best? Mm-hmm. Hey, cause it's going to be a lot harder to cut all that stuff out if you go from 60 to zero. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. Ba- so, yeah, basically, you're just, you, you gotta you got to get ready to get ready. 
<laughs> exactly. No, for sure. For sure. It's, it's a mental adjustment as a physical adjustment. And I think that, you know, it all pays off at the end because you, it, it would just be such, such a smoother transition um, yeah. from one stage to the next, as opposed to like flying in from DR from like a 10 day vacation. And like next day you're like jumping into contest prep, like it's a little crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody that's in that, but I just could just think like on the top of my head, like, you know what I mean? Like what people do and then just decide to just torture themselves because yeah. all that they could think about is the margaritas that they were having for the past 10 days. Um, but it also in the same sense will tell you am I actually ready for a prep or am I am I still in this improvement season phase exactly exactly it's it's kind of like a tester so if you get started on it and you just you can't get yourself into that prep mojo yet it's fine just take more time maybe you're just not ready to get there yet and so it's kind of like a testing it out before you jump right into prep and then later on realize okay maybe maybe I, I wasn't ready and then you're not giving your all and you're kind of half-assing it no for sure I completely agree with you I completely agree um but I think that you know I think that those are all good points and you know if you guys also have things that you want us to discuss in terms of like a little bit more in depth as to like how to prepare or how to properly run in pre-prep phase I think we can even go as far as like be so much more descriptive into it although we covered a lot so if yeah. you guys still have questions about this, because I know it's a term that not a lot of coaches use and not a lot of people on social media and just the competitive circle use, we're more than happy to cover more info, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just reach out to the center stage or, you know, social media on Instagram, uh, Carolina's Instagram, my Instagram, um, you know, we'll, we'll put little uh, questions up too for if you guys have any questions for our next Q&A too. I'm sure we'll get some based off of this for our next one as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. But that being said, Jess, I think this, this pretty much sums up the pre pre contest prep. Pre pre contest prep. Pre 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 pre. No, it's just pre. One pre. Yeah, just pre contest. Yeah. Single. You're pre. right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're correct. You're right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it was always a pleasure, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed another episode. Again, if you have questions on any topic, or like I said just now, more in depth in we are covering we have covered in the past few weeks do let us know we do take your input and you know advice into account when we are structuring these episodes for you um this is why we're here to educate to share our experience to make this process a little bit easier um and done in a more productive and healthier way so absolutely yes that being said just till next time you guys thank you for listening Yep. Till next time. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.